Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Martinez, on a Thursday, February 14th, 2019. It's Valentine's Day today. Uh, I just realized that, I mean, literally right now as I'm looking at my calendar, uh, what a stupid holiday this is. It's such a meaningless holiday. I don't understand the reason we celebrate this day or the purpose it is even a holiday. Um, clearly, you, you've deciphered by now that uh, I am salty. Yes, but it is a dumb holiday. It's, it's just a commercial holiday. It's literally just a, a, a marketing scheme to get people to buy chocolate at above average prices. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's the epitome of consumerism. It's it's just the definition of consumerism. So, of course, as Americans, we love Valentine's Day. It's everyone's favorite holiday. You Any Walgreens you walk into, it's just decorated from top to bottom. Walgreens goes more out on decorating for Valentine's Day than they do for Christmas. I've noticed that because it's a consumer's holiday. Christmas is supposed to be a religious holiday, but it's not. It's also a commercial holiday, but it's, you know, it's based as a religious thing. Um, Valentine's Day is just pure consumerism. That's what it is. It's just pure marketing. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just the government, you know, Kyrie was right. He tried to warn us, you know, uh, what, what's the saying that they use? Just destroy your masters. That's, you know, stay woke, everybody. Uh, we have, we have a show today. Uh, uh, we have something going on today other than this, uh, ridiculous rambling that I've been doing. Um, we have a show, okay? So there's uh, some stuff going on in the NFL. Joe Flacco traded to the Broncos, a move that I hated with every ounce of my being, and we're going to get into that. Uh, Kareem Hunt signed with the Browns, shockingly, which you know I'm, I'm surprised for a reason uh, that you may not think I would be surprised for. Um, but we got a great weekend of basketball i mean we got some great stuff it's uh all-star weekend so uh today's thursday nothing going on today um but tomorrow is a celebrity uh challenge or whatever the celebrity that's gonna be terrible i mean the celebrity roster this year is just horrendous i mean the biggest name on one of the teams i don't even know which team it is jay williams and uh no disrespect to jay williams but he's not a, a household name He's not even a household name if you're a basketball fan. You have to really, really be into basketball to know who Jay Williams is. He's not even a big basketball celebrity. What they should have done uh, is maybe try and get someone from North Carolina. It's in Charlotte, right? So why in the world would they get Jay Williams, who played at Duke, to play in? You know, that doesn't make any sense. What they should have done, they should have got like a bunch of Carolina alumni, Tyler Hansbro, you know, just a bunch of different Carolina guys. Um, Marcus Page, I don't think he's played. I don't even think he's uh, in the G League. Or I mean, he might be. Uh, you know, shout out to Marcus Page. Or maybe even Michael Jordan. I'm sure they asked him, would you? And Michael Jordan is way too competitive and the celebrity game is beneath him. But at least make the effort to ask Mike, hey, will you play in, in your hometown, all-star? And then, of course, he would say, no, get out of my office. But at least make the effort. So the celebrity game tomorrow, the Rising Stars Challenge is tomorrow. That's going to be a really an actually fun game to watch. Uh, and then All Star Saturday night, and you have the All Star game on Sunday. By the way, on Saturday, uh, it's not we have actually competitive basketball um, in college. We have Kentucky 
and Tennessee. So, I mean, there's plenty of games to watch over the weekend. And next week, next Wednesday, Tobacco Road, Duke, Carolina, that game, I cannot wait. I actually, um, I think Carolina's going to get them. Uh, I just, you know, I'm still sticking with that. You know, Duke has been fantastic. I mean, they came back from 23 down on the road at Louisville. Uh, everyone loves them. They're they're just so they are a great team. I mean, they've pounded Virginia. The only two losses that Virginia have are against are both against Duke, uh, and Duke only has losses to uh, Gonzaga and Syracuse at home. But again, Syracuse is one of the teams that I liked early in the season because they are built for tournament. I mean, we see every single year Syracuse gets in unranked, or they should get in unranked, and then they they find uh, one way or another they end up in the Elite Eight. You know, Syracuse is a, a veteran team who knows how to win games. They beat Duke in Cameron Indoor. Granted, that was without Cameron Reddish and uh, Trey Jones. But I do like, uh, you know, I thought that was, you know, kind of prove my point a little bit. You know, like if if you can keep it close with Duke and you have a veteran team who knows how to close out games, I'm going to take the veteran team. Now, Louisville didn't keep it close. They were blowing Duke out of the building, and they ended up losing that game anyway. So, uh who knows? I probably, you know, come March, come March, nobody know. I don't care who you are. If you're Jay Billis or Dick Vitale, nobody knows. I don't care who you are. Nobody knows. So we'll we'll see. Uh, some good college this weekend and going on later into next week. But first, we go into the NFL with uh, you know, I guess some there. It's the off season. I mean, this the Super Bowl just ended a few weeks ago, so I'm not expecting any huge stories just yet. You know, come. March and April in the draft that's you know we'll get some stories there and then there's zero football for about like four months you go to January February March April I have to go through all my I can't just start counting through months I have to like say January and then count up that way don't don't judge me okay I'm I'm, I'm a professional okay just let me do what I do January February March April uh, and then you have May I stopped not to do it again January February March April here we go May June July August September October uh, well, no, I went too far. So you have like four or five months basically of zero football news. Um, and we got two stories. I don't even know if there's stories this week. They're just, you know, they are worth noting, I guess. They're, they are definitely worth a post-it note. Maybe not front page stuff, but they are, you know, noteworthy. Uh, two things, uh, Kareem Hunt now on the Cleveland Browns. And Joe Flacco now on the Denver Broncos. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I think about both of those things. Let's get into Joe Flacco first because Kareem Hunt is is a different situation and I want to make sure we you know we just say the right things there because you know I don't it, it's kind of it's a strange situation anytime there's you know domestic violence involved there's all kinds of different aspects you have to look at um you know when you're dissecting these things and I'm kind of tying myself up already so let's go ahead and get into Joe Flacco first. Uh, Joe Flacco, the Ravens agreed in principle with the Denver Broncos to send Joe Flacco to Denver in exchange for a fourth round pick. Uh, and that's that's it. That is it. Now, I don't think... Um, look, I hate this move. I think it's a stupid, stupid move. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. And uh, I, I hate it. I complimented the Broncos a few weeks ago for hiring Vic Fangio. I think that was, I think that could be one of the best coaching hires uh, that we've seen in this offseason. I think that could be one of the best ones, uh, you know, out of all the coaches that were hired or had new head coaches that we're going to see in the league. I think Vic Fangio 
could be the best one because he fits. It seemed like Denver was accepting their identity as a defensive team and trying not to, you know, be the West Coast team. And, you know, John Elway, he's retired. He's a GM. He's not coming back. I liked what Denver was doing. And then they do this. They bring in Joe Flacco, who lost his job to Lamar Jackson, who, no disrespect, he had a solid rookie year, but he is not a pure passer of the football. He never has been, and I don't think he will be in his NFL career. I don't see Lamar Jackson sustaining you know, a, a 10, 15, 20-year career with his style of play. It's, it's just not happening. It's really not. He's a little bit, he's smaller than Cam Newton, uh, you know, both size and size. I mean, both at length and width is what I meant. Um, he's a little bit faster, but even Cam Newton is starting, like, breaking down. You know, he's a bigger body, uh, you know, more, you know, physically built than Lamar Jackson. He's kind of breaking down. So I don't know how long Lamar Jackson, I don't know how long, and I hate to use this word, but this gimmick is going to work for Baltimore. Eventually, people are going to figure out a way to contain his running ability, force him to throw the football, and then, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Besides that point, Joe Flacco couldn't beat out that guy. A rookie who was not even supposed to start this season. Uh, granted, he lost his job due to injury, and Lamar Jackson came in, and they just started winning games left and right. So that was the end of his tenure in Baltimore. Uh, Denver has been looking for a quarterback, however, since Peyton Manning and probably even still then, because Peyton, when Peyton Manning got there, he had one great year. He's part of the 50 touchdown club. Um, that's Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, fun fact here for you. I had both Peyton Manning, his 50 touchdown year, and Patrick Mahomes this year on my fantasy team, and neither year did I win the championship. Could you? Can you believe that? Two of the great, two of the three greatest quarterbacking years in NFL history. I had both of those on my fantasy team, and I failed to win the league either year. So that that's really, really depressing. That tells you what kind of information that I'm giving out. Um, moving on. Uh, Peyton Manning had that one great year, that 50 touchdown year, which did not help me uh, too much in my fantasy league. He had that 50 touchdown year, and then after that, he was horrible. I mean, he was fighting to keep Brock Osweiler on the bench. I mean, Peyton Manning was not, you know, Indianapolis Peyton Manning when he got to Denver. That was the end of his rope, basically. So they've been looking for a quarterback for a very long time. They've tried Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, now Case Keenum, and now Joe Flacco. And the reason this move makes me so upset is because what kind of a move is this? What kind of, what, I don't understand what the game plan in Denver is. Are we trying to rebuild and, you know, build for the future, or are we trying to win now? This move is neither of those things. Joe Flacco is not a win-now move. It what, Case Keenum was not the problem, okay? It, what you, okay, he's not a great quarterback, and Joe Flacco probably is a little bit better than Case Keenum, and that's arguable. I'm not even defending Joe Flacco over Case Keenum. He might, we don't even know if he's better than Case Keenum. We really, really don't. They have zero wide receivers out in Denver. They shipped out Demarius Thomas. They lost Emmanuel Sanders due to injury. I think Cortland Sutton got hurt too. Um, all he had was Philip Lindsay, and yeah, I think he was starting to break down in the end of the season too. I mean, their offense is—it's not the quarterback specifically. That's part of the problem, but that's not your main issue. You got to build pieces. You got to get pieces around Case Keenum slash Joe Flacco. Um, I don't think Joe Flacco is is the solution to all those problems, and he's going to make the offense better, and he's going to make those players perform, you know, to a higher level. Joe Flacco is really not that great. And the only thing that defends his career 
is a Super Bowl MVP that he stole from Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden should have been the MVP of that Super Bowl against the 49ers. I, I remain, that I still hold that to this day. Anquan Bolden should have been the MVP of that game. They gave it to Joe Flacco, even though he had no business, you know, being in that game anyway without a Ray Lewis defense. I mean, they had a nasty defense that year, as they normally do. Baltimore has a good defense year in and year out. You know, hot take alert. They're always good on defense. I don't know. I mean, he's good. I'll give him this much. He's good in the postseason. I think he's 10-5 and five in his career. Um, not bad. You know, that's, pretty, that's a pretty good mark, you know, to have a winning record. That's a better record than Tony Romo, and I would say Tony Romo's better than Joe Flacco. So, I mean, you know, there, there's that. But for that to even come into conversation, you have to assume Denver's going to make the playoffs. That's not going to happen because in the AFC West, you have the Chargers who are not going anywhere. They're super young. They're real young on defense. You know, they kind of seem like they ran out of gas and they just got demolished by New England. Then you have the Chiefs, okay? Everyone's Super Bowl favorites going into next year. So does Joe Flacco immediately take you from, like, a bottom, a rebuilding team to playoff contender or Super Bowl contender? No. He doesn't make you either of those things. So I hate this move that they would siphon their future. They would trade away, and not even so much what they traded, a fourth-round pick, fine. Well, you're not going to get... You're probably not going to find a Hall of Fame player in the fourth round. Probably not. But what I mean by siphon the future is why are we going to bring this guy? What is the po- I don't see what the, what the point of bringing Joe Flacco into Denver is. I don't see how much better this makes your franchise. And I don't see how this justifies your future. I don't see how this makes you any better in the future if you're trying to rebuild. And the only thing I can think of is what a waste. What a waste of one of the all-time greats. Von Miller. I mean, he's stuck in Denver. He signed that huge contract, and now he's got—he's had so many bad quarterbacks throughout his career. Now you bring him in, Joe Flacco, who is supposed to save the day. He's going to be this. What do you do with Case Keenum now? Do you ship him? I mean, I guess you have to. You have to ship him out and try and get—you know—flip him for whatever assets you can get. I don't. It's not going to be much. So, and, and Joe Flacco is again. May not even be an improvement on Case Keenum. We don't know. He's got a better arm and an altitude. I guess that, you know, I, I guess that'll do something. I don't know. They don't have a big deep threat. They still don't have any good, you know, perimeter threats, uh, receivers. They have Philip Lindsay. Uh, they have Royce Freeman. But those, you know, their running backs, they're not going down the field, you know, 60 yards down the field. I, I don't understand this move. One bit, I mean, good on the Ravens for getting rid. They're, they're off scot-free. Lamar Jackson's our guy. We're done. We got rid of Joe Flacco. We're looking forward to next year. So good on the Ravens for turning this problem into, you know, they, they get a fourth-round pick out of it. They get something in, something positive in, in return. And now you have, you know, again, a fourth-round pick isn't super valuable, but you get something in return for nothing because they weren't going to use Joe Flacco in the first place. Um, so Denver, I hate this move. I cannot stand this trade for Denver. Joe Flacco... And I, I have nothing against Joe Flacco, but he's not a great quarterback. He is not elite. He is not elite. I'm going on the record as saying Joe Flacco is not elite. He's got one. He's got a Super Bowl. I will give him that much credit. If you have a Super Bowl, that means a lot. Um, Dan Marino doesn't have a Super Bowl, and Joe Flacco does for whatever that is worth. But Joe Flacco is also not Dan Marino. He's not coming in and saving this franchise. He's not making them any better or potentially not even any worse. What he is doing is he's siphoning out their pockets. So I guess good on Joe Flacco. He's still getting paid. He's still got a job. But shame on you, John Elway, for not knowing how to evaluate quarterbacks. 
kind of like uh, one Magic Johnson who does not know how to evaluate point guards. Moving on to Kareem Hunt. Signed a one-year, $600,000 deal with the Cleveland Browns. Um, And this move was kind of, I said it was a shock to me, and it was not because he was signed. I, I anticipated from the very beginning when this whole thing came out and he was cut by the Chiefs immediately, I had a feeling because of his youth um, that he was going to be re-signed. And because, I mean, when Ray Rice, when that whole, when the Ray Rice situation came down, he was not nearly as young. He was still pretty good, but he didn't have the future that Kareem Hunt has. He did not have youth on his side. Um, and I felt that Kareem Hunt would get, and Kareem Hunt, before this whole situation, again, and again, people's, you know, perception of players because of, you know, their actions off the field, off the court, whatever, away from the game, it, it, it muddies your, your perception of them. Kareem Hunt is a top five to top three running back in, the all, in all the NFL. Ray Rice was just, he was, I mean, he was good. He was really good, but he was not, you know, maybe not one of the top three best backs in, in the game. At one point he was, but at that time he was not. Um, I felt Kareem Hunt would get signed. What shocked me is Cleveland bringing him in. That's what shocked me. I felt like he would go to a Tampa Bay or a Miami or potentially even Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, a team that really needed a running back. And, you know, both sides had to be desperate enough. Kareem Hunt needed, was going to need a It was going to be hard for him to find a job because domestic violence is such a you know, a sensitive topic as it should be. It's, you know, it's, it's just horrendous. Um, and a lot of teams are turned away by that. They don't want to bring those guys in the locker room, whether, you know, and I hear this a lot with Kareem Hunt too. Oh, he's a great guy. He made a mistake. Well, whether he's a great guy or he's not, he, com- he committed a crime. He's a criminal. And a lot of people don't want to bring that element, whether he's nice, he's a nice guy or he's not. They don't want to bring that into their locker room because there are other players who are, are good guys and not good guys, but they don't hit women and they don't hit their spouses or their partners, whatever. So some people, I mean, it goes back. I connect this. I know, you know, it's not really the greatest thing to do to connect two sports with one another, but uh, the Houston Astros last year were trying to make a move for a closure. They wanted to get rid of Ken Giles. They brought in Roberto Asuna, who was given a hefty suspension from the MLB for the same exact, uh, you know, reason, domestic violence. And uh, the entire locker room was just protesting bringing him in I think Justin Verlander was threatening you know to leave the team he said if you trade for him you got to trade me away too Justin Verlander was dead set against Roberto Osuna becoming an Astro and the front office went against their players wishes they brought him in anyway um I don't know what that did you know as far as the locker room dynamic nothing came out there was no stories so good on the Astros I guess as far as that point you know keeping their their locker room level but they also didn't make the World Series and they made it the year before. So whatever that's worth. Some teams in the NFL do not want to bring in someone with this kind of history. There are other teams, however, who do not care. Quite frankly, they just do not care. There are, Unfortunately, there are front offices in the NFL who maybe so not so much do not care, but they are willing to give guys second chances. And they would say it that way, you know, because if you say we don't care, then that just sounds hellacious. But if you say we're giving them a second chance now, it sounds like you're doing some kind of charity. Um, now, not to say that John Dorsey just does not care about domestic violence, um, but I felt that there would be teams, you know, like the Miami teams that aren't, you know, really contending for Super Bowls, like Tampa Bay, like Miami, 
who would be willing to give this guy, quote-unquote, a second chance. Now, Cleveland is part of that group also as far as not contending for a Super Bowl, but I don't think Cleveland is the best spot for players with a troubled pass and whether Kareem Hunt is a good guy or not. He now has a troubled pass. Uh, and how many chances did they give Josh Gordon before they finally gave up on him, sent him to New England, and that didn't work out in New England either. So it's, it's just kind of a weird situation to see him in Cleveland. And they also didn't even need a running back. They really didn't. They had Nick Chubb. Um, they had, is it Nick Chubb? They had uh, Duke Johnson. They had a good, you know, running back core. They didn't necessarily need a running back. And that's also why I throw in Miami and Tampa Bay because they both need a running back, both of those teams. Uh, Kenyon Drake, he's good when he wants to be. And uh, Tampa Bay just does not have a running back, period. Um, getting back to Cleveland. There is a connection here between you know Kareem Hunt and Cle- he's from Cleveland, uh, and John Dorsey, who was the GM of the Chiefs at the time, he drafted Kareem Hunt. So there is a history there. Obviously, he has a connection. He does. So if any, what I'm trying, if there anyone, if there is anyone who does know even a little bit about Kareem Hunt's, you know, personality and what kind of a person he is, I'm guessing it would be John Dorsey. Um, but by the same token, he was not also not entirely honest with the Chiefs front office was Kareem Hunt uh, that's the reason they cut him they said he, w- he was not entirely honest about the situation with them then the video came out and they just they just got rid of him they didn't want to put up with him they had a zero tolerance policy and good on the Chiefs are being they cut him and they were done with it that was it there was no second chances and there was no remorse it was you're done you're out of, you can't play football here and the Chiefs are part they're one of those front offices who d- aren't going to tolerate these kinds of you know situations the Cleveland Browns, though, I mean, it seems like they're actually trying, starting to make, you know, good moves and build a relative, uh, yes, a non-irrelevant, a relevant football team uh, in Cleveland. And then you bring, you bring in Kareem Hunt for one year who has, you know, all this kind, you know, this backlash, um, you know, going against him. And he's probably going to be suspended for most, if not the entire year, he's currently on the the commissioner's exempt list, meaning he can't practice, can't play, um, and he's not currently suspended either. So if the season started tomorrow, he'd be on the exempt list, and that wouldn't even count towards any suspension they would be giving him. Uh, my guess is they're probably going to give him 10, 10 games at least, 10, 10, to, 10 games to 16, excuse me, um, so that that one year con- you probably wouldn't even be able to use him for the one year contract and don't tell me well they'd get him for the postseason because we're talking about the Cleveland Browns they're not going to the postseason um I just this move is kind of shocking I felt that he would get a job I did feel that Kareem Hunt would be given a second chance by some franchise I am shocked that it is the Cleveland Browns and now that he does have a job now the only thing that's left to this equation is the suspension meaning once again, the NFL, all eyes are on Roger Goodell, who, I mean, consistently botches these kinds of situations. And in the NFL, domestic violence is almost an annual off-season theme. It seems almost every single season there is a star player who is accused of domestic violence in the NFL. You don't hear it nearly as much in the NBA, and you don't hear it as much uh, in the MLB, it does happen occasionally, uh, uh, you know, going back to Roberto Asuna. But more than any other league, it happens in the NFL for whatever reason. 
and Roger Goodell gives out different suspensions and different. He tries to make up for the previous suspension that he messed up, and he tries to go all in on the the next one. So this comes back again to Roger Goodell. What does he do here? I would guess ten games to the entire season, uh, including a, a fine. I guess um, you know to Kareem Hunt's credit, I guess if if you can even give him credit. He has, volunt- he has checked himself into rehab. He is trying to solve the situation. He's trying to you know, better himself. But ultimately, at the end of the day, he did what he did. He's in the situation he's in now. Um, I would guess the hardest part is over is going off of a pure football standpoint. He's on a team. He does have a contract. He is part of a team. Now comes the, sus- the suspension, which is now all the pressures on Roger Goodell, which he has you know, routinely found a way to make it about himself, not not so much as he puts the situation. He doesn't he doesn't uh, you know direct attention toward himself, but what he does do is he creates a suspension that seems hypocritical to what he's done in the past. And then we have a conversation about Roger Goodell and his his competency as an NFL commissioner. So there is your NFL news for the week. A little bit longer than I anticipated, but I had a lot to say about Joe Flacco and Kareem Hunt. You know it is. These are relevant stories, you know. As much they may not be huge uh, stories, we have Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell coming up. Those are going to be huge stories, but these are worth note and they are worth commenting on. Uh, time for the ads. All right, so this weekend is the NBA All Star Weekend. Uh, we have there's all kinds of events going on. Um, it's going to be fun, you know. I it, it's this is the best All Star festivities i guess you could say um including nfl nba i mean excuse me mlb and the nba the nhl is the most creative but it has the smallest following like i don't watch the nhl all-star week they have events and they have creative you know new games that for the like the fastest skater um you know they have i don't know what they do but they have different challenges uh they bring in players from the women's uh, hockey league which i love and i've been saying that routinely let me just get into this really really quick there should absolutely be wnba participation in the all-star game there is absolutely no reason why all-stars in the wnba cannot be incorporated into the all-star festivities in the nba now i get that the wnba is in the off season so what you get the players who were all-stars in the WNBA the season prior, and you bring them to the NBA All-Star Weekend and you incorporate them into... How fun would it be to see the best three-point shooters in the WNBA go toe-to-toe with the three, in the three-point contest in the NBA? You can have... You can incorporate them into the All-Star game. There's no reason... Basketball, I've said, it's the ultimate pickup sport. It's a great... You can just play by yourself. You can play with two people. Four... You can just play with anywhere with anyone. Basketball... Is it's a beautiful sport. It was designed that way. So, and it's an all-star game. There, there's, we all say there's zero effort and there's zero competition. Why don't we do something new and add some something kind of interesting to the all-star game? Bring in the, the WNBA all-stars and you add them into the draft pool. And then you can have co-ed teams. You can have men and women teams, you know, led by Team Team LeBron. You have the you have the all-star leading vote getters, top two guys, which would be LeBron and Giannis, and you'd have them draft from the NBA players, so NBA starters the first round, and then the reserves, and then your third round is your WNBA players, and then you have them draft from there. I think that would be super interesting if you can have, you know, you can see 
WNBA players and NBA players on the same court in an All-Star game. I would love that. We need to get WNBA All-Stars involved in the NBA All-Star game. We, I mean, I've been clamoring for that for years, and uh, the NHL does it. I think the NBA should do it because it's already the best. This would just make this would be a completely new dynamic. It'd be so much fun. Um, and there's so many different challenges you can have them involved in the skills challenge, the three-point shooting contest. Uh, what else do we have here? The and the All-Star game. You can have the All-Star game. Uh, you can have them play in the All-Star game as well. I think it would be so much fun to see that. I really think it'd be interesting to see that because basketball, it's so universal. If you can play, you can play. And there are the WNBA All-Stars, they are professionals and they are some of the best in the world this has to this needs to happen i mean if you guys can share this and send this to the nba and send this to adam silver get the wnba into the nba all-star weekend it would be so much fun and keep the wnba all-star weekend they should get their own as well their own separate weekend but then put them include them into the nba all-star weekend i think that would be so much fun but unfortunately it's not the case right now we are getting into um the All-Star festivities this weekend. Nothing tonight. Tomorrow's the Rising Stars Challenge. And Saturday is the Saturday, All-Star Saturday night. And then Sunday, obviously, is the All-Star Game. I'm going to be picking each contest, I guess. You know, I'm going to be picking who I think is going to win. Um, it's going to be fun. You know, and going back, this is where I, I'm, I'm in a time loop now. Uh, you know, it's not Game 7 of the Finals, every, ladies and gentlemen. I don't understand what people want. Like, like people just want... LeBron to take charges in the all-star game and dive on the floor like it's an all-star game people come on like they're putting in as as much effort as they should they're not walking up and down they're not just you know dogging it they're playing but they're not playing like it's game seven of the finals they are putting in an effort it is entertaining uh it's but even more entertaining than the game are the events I mean I really do the skills challenge is so much fun that one's become like kind of like my new favorite my all well I can't even say that but I really I really do like the skills challenge my favorite of all the festivities is the three-point contest I think that one is the best the dunk contest has become you know diluted and uh, you know it's 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 really not even about it's just bad I don't even know what to say about the dunk contest people are bringing in props and then the dunks are not spectacular and then the the roster for the dunk contests aren't I mean it's not you know Michael Jordan anymore and Hakeem Olajuwon it's we're not in those days so uh, Dominique Wilkins we're not in those days where you have like all-time grades Vince Carter I don't mean Vince Carter is an all-time great as far as an all-time great dunk contest is what I'm saying like we're not we're not going to be playing these dunk contests 20 years from now like like we do with Michael Jordan from the free throw line and Vince Carter's all-time famous you know finisher dunk so it's it's not going to be that so my favorite is the three-point contest. That's the best one to me. Um, dang it. And then the uh, three-point contest, that one's great also. That's my favorite. That's my that's my favorite is the three-point contest. And then the skills challenge is great too. So let's go ahead and get right into it. First off, leading off the weekend is the Rising Stars Challenge. That's Friday, February 15th at 6 p.m. Pacific on TNT. Uh, those are separate. It used to be rookies versus sophomores meaning the first year players against the second year players that was okay i mean that was that was that was okay um i really don't know how much better or worse they've they've changed it to team the u.s team and team world or i guess team usa and then team world 
I don't know how much better or worse that makes it, but it's a different dynamic. Now you can mix first and second year guys. So I guess there's that. Uh, so on the team, on Team USA, you have Jared Allen, Marvin Bagley, John Collins, De'Aaron Fox, Jaron Jackson, Kim and Knox, Kyle Kuzma, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, and one Trey Young. On world on the world team, you have OG Ananobi, DeAndre Ayton, Bojan Bogdanovic. I probably miss I probably misspoke there, but we're going with Bojan Bogdanovic, Luka Doncic, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Okay, this is gonna be tough. This is gonna be a tough one. Rodion's Kuruks. Rodion's Kuruks, everyone's all-time favorite player. Uh, Laurie Markinen, Josh Okogi, Seti Osman, and Ben Simmons are on Team World. If you had, if you force me to pick this, I would say the U.S. team probably has the better roster. But it seems since they've switched to this format, the World team has really like they have come to play. If you want to see a game that's even somewhat competitive, you watch the Rising Stars Challenge, and uh, you know usually the World team actually puts forth an effort and really tries to come at the u.s team i would say that the the world team is going to put up a bit a better effort they're going to be more engaged but man the u.s team has a really solid roster you look at De'Aaron fox kevin knox jason tatum kyle kuzma donovan mitt they have a i'm going to pick you know the u.s team uh final score 682 to 590 um, you know, a fairly low-scoring game for the All-Star weekend. I just think the U.S. team is a little bit too talented, and in, in these games, it, it kind of comes down to talent. It, it is a show. Um, so I guess I'll go with, the, you know, the U.S. team. Yeah, so there's that. I don't know how much more I could say about that. We're not going to be talking about their systems or anything like that. It's going to be a fun game, though. I re- highly recommend you turn in, tune in to every event on the All-Star weekend. They're always they're all fun. Um, and then All-Star Saturday night which is, you may have guessed it, on Saturday, the day after Friday, 6 p.m. Pacific as well on TNT. Uh, there are three events. There used to be four. They got rid of the shooting challenge, which is different than the three-point challenge, and that was you had a current NBA player. I think they did bring in a WNBA player and then a Hall of Famer from that city. Like They had Team Atlanta, Team LA, Team New York, whatever. Uh, they ended up getting rid of that. Uh, that one was good, not great. They did like a, I think a layup or dunk and then a free throw three point and then a half court shot. And then whoever did it the fastest one. Um, yeah, so it's not the greatest. That's why you need to include the WNBA players in there. I think that's way more, you don't have to reinvent anything. Um, and I don't think they're as desperate as the NFL. Like you don't need to do like a fastest man in the NBA, even though that would be, that'd be great to see, you know, just down and back. De'Aaron Fox, Russell Westbrook, um, John Wolfe, he were healthy, all those guys in a foot race. Um, but they're not as de- – like the NFL, they need something like who has the fastest 40 in the NFL. Like that would definitely help Pro Bowl weekend. But besides that point, there are three uh, contests on Saturday night. The first one being the Taco Bell's skill, Skills Challenge. And I'm going to be saying the sponsors just because I, I feel like saying the sponsors. Taco Bell's Skills Challenge. Uh, it, they separate. It's no longer guards and posts, though there are guards and I said po- guards and big men. I guess are included, but it's not two separate brackets. They did get rid of that. That was pretty good, I thought. But I, I like, you know, just everyone plays everyone because perhaps, maybe, I mean, I don't know, whatever. They, uh, I was going to say maybe a big would beat a guard, but ultimately, if you're not the big in 
in the final, then you, maybe you probably wouldn't have beaten the guard anyway. So, you know, they're just mixing everyone in together. So that, that's great. Um, and the participants in that one are Mike Conley, Luka Doncic, De'Aaron Fox, Nikola Jokic, Kyle Kuzma, Jason Tatum, Nikola Vucevic, and one Trey Young. This one is a little bit harder to pick. I mean, all these guys are, I mean, really, every single one of these guys on here, I think, I feel can win it outside of Nikola Vucevic. And no disrespect to him. I love uh, Nick Vucevic. He went to USC. He's a great player. But he's kind of a traditional big man. He's not Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid in the sense that he's going to knock down threes. And that's part of the skills challenge. It's it's just all the skills you need to play basketball. You have a, you start off with a dunk and then you dribble through like, they're not cones, but I don't know what to call them. You dribble through like the NBA logo, but they might as well be cones. Then you get, you, uh, you do a, like a chess pass and then you do a bounce pass and then a three-point shot then you go around cones again and then you you finish with the dunk on the the same end that you started on so you kind of run in a full circle but you're doing stuff um and I don't know how well Nikola Vucevic is of a three-point shooter that usually really holds guys back um and I don't know how well of a passer he is either so that's the only one where I cannot see him winning if you force me to pick favorites like I can't pick fa- all of these guys. I feel like are you know are going to be competitive. Luka Doncic, he's taking, he can do it all. He's he can pass, he can shoot. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, the same thing. He's not as good of a shooter uh, as Luka Doncic, but he is really fast. He can pass the, he can move the ball around. Nikola Jokic, the Joker, you know he's he's the best passing. I hate to even put him in the category as a passing big. He's one of the best passers in the game. Big men guard doesn't matter, and he's a good three point shooter. Um, and Trey Young, you know, he's had, I, you know, I bag on him a lot, but he's having a fantastic rookie year as well. If you force me to pick two favorites, though, or three, or four, because I, can, I cannot choose between Luka Doncic, Jaron Fox, Nikola Jokic, to Trey Young. Those are the guys I'm leaning on right now. Um, if I had to choose one, I'm kind of feeling like Trey Young is going to make up a lot of difference with this three point shot. Now, um, He's got speed. He's not as fast as De'Aaron Fox, um, obviously. But De'Aaron Fox isn't as good of a three-point shooter as Trey Young. And I, th- I personally feel the skills challenge is won and lost at the three-point line. If you can get it on your first go, your first attempt, you're going to have a chance to win. Uh, Nikola Jokic is a great passer, but again, he's got to make you got to make that first one. And he doesn't have the same downhill speed as any of the guards. He's just not going to have you know the same speed as De'Aaron Fox or Luka Doncic. Um, I feel like it's going to come down to the rookies. I think De'Aaron Fox is going to struggle at that three-point line, and I love me some De'Aaron Fox, and you know that, but I feel like it's going to come down to Luka Doncic and Trey Young, and I feel like Trey Young's going to make up the difference with that three-point shot. I'm picking Trey Young. Unbelievable. Crowd noise just said something positive about Trey Young. Un- you know, pigs are flying across the roof right now. Trey Young wins the Taco Bell Skills Challenge. We went a little bit longer than I anticipated with that. I think it's going to be heavily contested. It's going to be a great event. I'll, I'll go with uh, Trey Young for this one. The second event of All-Star Saturday Night, the Mountain Dew three-point challenge. And, uh, you know, the field isn't as exciting as the skills challenge. Uh, and you'll see in just a second, Devin Booker, Seth Curry, and Steph Curry. Uh, Danny Green, Joe Harris, Buddy Heal, Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, Dirk Nowitzki and Kemba Walker. 
I tried to say Dirk Nowitzki in a German accent, but Dirk Nowitzki's already in Germany. You can't say it, quote unquote, in an American. It's already it's already in German. You can't you can't say hot dog like an American because it's already. If you're British and you say hot dog, you're gonna sound like an American. So uh, there's that. Now this one again, the field isn't as highly contested as the skills challenge. Uh, if I had to choose favorites, Devin Booker, Steph Curry. Buddy Hill and Damian Lillard, those would be my four that I'd be leaning on. Uh, and even then, I can't really decide. Stephen Curry really doesn't show up to the clay. You know who does? Clay Thompson. I was really sad to see Clay Thompson kind of bow out of the um, the three point contest. I really wanted to see him in there. Decided not to, which he has every right to. It. I was just disappointed as a fan. Uh, you know, Steph Curry, he's in that upper echelon of players where this is, he doesn't, he doesn't need this. He doesn't need to put forth his best effort. So I wouldn't be surprised if he lost in the first round, really, uh, if he just didn't even put forth an effort. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick Damian Lillard for this. I think it's going to come down to Damian Lillard and Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald is a volume shooter. The more opportunities he gets, the better he's going to be. I feel like over time, he's going to really start heating up, but he's, re- he's also very streaky. Buddy Hill is a very streaky shooter, but that's why you give him so many opportunities so he can work through those stretches where he's missing shots. Uh, but I think Damian Lillard will win this. Seth Curry, um, and I, I, again, Seth Curry. Come on, come on, NBA. I mean, really, we need representatives. Do we need Seth Curry in this? Do we really, really need him? Dirk Nowitzki will come out hit a few threes, wave his little hat in the air, and he'll go back into the dugout. That's uh, um, a League of Their Own reference for those of you who don't know. I, I understand we're playing basketball. Um, like Dirk Nowitzki, I, I don't anticipate him competing for the title. I mean, it, come on, guys. We got to do better than this. We got to get some better three-point shooters out there than Seth Curry and Dirk Nowitzki. And finally, the AT&T Slam Dunk Contest, easily the worst event of the evening. There's only four participants. They're already in the final. It used to be that there were like eight or ten participants and you worked your way down to two. Now there's only four. Um, and no one, absolutely no one wants to do the dunk contest. I don't understand why. What is it about the dunk contest and the home run derby that no one wants to participate? But we'll participate in everything else. The three-point and the skills challenge which you're actually running up and down the court. But the home run derby and the dunk contest, no, not for me. I don't need to mess up my swing or get hurt landing funny. Come on, guys. I mean, are you serious? We're supposed to be professionals. You're just dunking. I mean, I don't. I did personally don't see it. How you could get hurt doing this? And I, oh, I prayed to God nobody does get hurt. Now that I've said that, but I, I don't see that happening. Like I don't. We need to have better representation in the dunk contest. We really do. It's been. I don't know how many years it's been since the stars, the true stars of the league. The top, you know, five to ten players have participated in the dunk contest. And it used to be, like I said earlier, that was like, that was the torch. You know, you had Jordan, you had Dominique Wilkins going in dunk contest head to head. And now it's, it's, it couldn't be any further from that. We have Miles Bridges. He, he can jump, you know, and that's what it's come down. It's not even the best players. It's just who has the best verticals pretty much in the league. Uh, John Collins, uh, Hamido Diallo. And Dennis Smith Jr. Those are the only four participants in the All Star, or excuse me, in the Slam Dunk contest. I don't know. I don't know who to lean to. None of these guys are like spectacular dunkers outside of Dennis Smith Jr. And maybe Miles Bridges. He has a few a few good putback dunks, but he's, he doesn't like run away downhill like Dennis Smith Jr. does. 
Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. He's like a uh, like a mini Russell Westbrook. I mean, he's re- he's that good. I think he has a lot of potential. Um, I guess I'll take Dennis Smith Jr. And I think it's going to come down to Dennis Smith Jr. and Miles Bridges. I think those are the I sleeper the sleeper of the night. And I'm, now I'm getting to like three out of the four players that have a chance to win. Everyone has a chance to win. But I think John Collins is going to be a sleeper. I feel like he's going to have some kind of creativity. Trey Young is probably going to get involved. He's a good passer. They'll probably do some lobs. But I feel like Dennis Smith Jr., he's going to have kind of like some throwback dunks. And when I mean by throwbacks, I don't need props. Like, I don't need guys dunking over, like, cars and stuff. Even though that was good. Blake Griffin, that was pretty good because that hadn't been done before. Now everyone brings in a prop. Oh, I'm going to dunk over my Beats pill here. Like, come on, guys. I don't need props. Like, just just yam it as hard as you possibly can. Break the backboard. That would be insane, especially because most of the, the rims in the NBA are supposed to be break proof their breakaway rims they're not supposed to you're not supposed to be able to shatter the back if you can shatter the glass that is impressive if it's just like you jump off of two feet and it's a two-handed just plain standard dunk but you shatter the backboard you win you automatically win versus some guy who dunked over like a painting or whatever i forgot who did that was it terrence ross a few years ago he dunked over a painting if you can shatter the backboard with one hand and just a, off of two feet or whatever, that that is a winner. You win. And I think Dennis Smith Jr., not that he's going to shatter the backboard, but I think he's going to have just just dunks. I mean, flying through the air and yamming it as hard as he can. You know, props, no... I mean, the costumes, I don't mind. But it's like, that. what is that? Like, I don't get, like, Zach Levine, the Space Jam. What does that actually add to, to what you're doing? The dunk... And I guess we're part of the problem. The dunk contest is like, little. you're getting a little bit too picky you know, with what you want and what you don't want. And I know it's mostly me, but I feel like I'm not the only one out there. I feel like there's more people who really want, they want more stars and they want better dunks. It's not even so much the theatrics. It's just, just slam that thing. Because most of the people watching the dunk contest cannot physically dunk a basketball. So we just want to, we want to project ourselves through you. And if I was, if I had the ability to dunk, Understand, I would never shoot the ball ever again. I would, everything, I everything, every time I played, it would be nothing but yamming on people's head as hard as I possibly could. Just throw it down. Throw it down as hard as you physically can. You don't even have to 360. Just shatter the backboard. That's all I want to see. I just want to see broken glass on national television. Now time for the quote of the week, it's back. We have the quote of the week. It's the first time in three weeks, but it's finally back. The quote of the week. Uh, let's close it out on a strong note. Okay, so we haven't had a quote of the week in three weeks. That's my bad. Okay, I can blame people. I can say you know there weren't, there wasn't any good quotes or anything like that. But that's my fault. I'm supposed to be a journalist and an investigator. I should be able to find something. Good, um, but I didn't because I'm because I'm not an investigator. So this week there were there was pl- and actually there was too many. There was like so many different quotes that I, I save them throughout the week and, and plan out what I'm gonna, which one I'm gonna pick. And there was like too many to choose from. Every time I'd pick one, then, then there'd be another quote the next day, and then vice versa. It just kept going on. So I finally settled on one, and here we go. Quote: I said no. That was Philadelphia 76ers GM Elton Brand on the possibility of Ben Simmons working with Magic Johnson in the offseason. 
um, it came out and it didn't even come out. It was handed out by one Irvin Magic Johnson. After they, they played against Philadelphia, I think it was on Sunday. Yeah, it was on Sunday after they got trounced by the Sixers in Philly. A uh, reporter asked Magic Johnson, what do you think about Ben Simmons? And uh, he just handed, he just threw it out there. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's just trying to tamper at this point. He said, they asked him, what do you think about Ben Simmons? You know, being, you know, that they're, you're the same. So they're very similar. And when you watch Ben Simmons, he looks a lot like Magic Johnson. And minus, oh, I guess it's kind of hypocritical, but minus the flair, like everything that made Magic iconic, the, you know, the no-look passes, the running down the lane, the, like every, all the stuff that made him Magic, Ben Simmons does not have. But when you watch him play, hear me out, when you watch him play the way he moves the ball and the way he commands the floor and he, he runs the floor, he really does play a lot like Magic Johnson. They're both the same size with these big guards. So Magic said, oh, yeah, he's a great player. In fact, he, was, he reached out to the Lakers about working out with me and sharing some secrets about being a big guy. Like, nobody asked him that. No one asked Magic Johnson anything about, do you want Ben Simmons? Do you want, what advice would you give him? They just asked him, what do you think? And the correct answer is, he's a fantastic player. That's it. That's the correct answer. You don't have to share your secrets about sharing secrets. And then, of course, that led to an NBA investigation on the Lakers, the 6,000th one in the past 10 days on the Lakers tampering with other teams' players. Um, and then Elton Brand, they asked Elton Brand, would you sign off? And he said, I said no. That was the quote of the week. They, he, they already asked him for permission, and he said no over a month ago. Of course he said no. He'd be the dumbest man in the NBA if he had said yes to let his star player work with Magic Johnson, the king of tampering with other people's players. Ben Simmons would be a Laker confirmed. There would be no doubt about it. He'd be an idiot. He'd be an imbecile if he allowed Ben Simmons to work with Magic Johnson. No, we'll bring in point guard specialists. You don't need Magic Johnson, the GM, or the president of another team to help you out. You'll be fine. Um, so good on Elton Brand. The answer is no. Okay, yeah, that was the right answer by Elton Brand. And to Magic Johnson, what the heck are you doing? I don't understand what it is that goes on in your head. You want to help other teams' point guards be better big guards? You have a point guard on your own team who needs a lot of help as it is, and you're going out volunteering your assistance to other teams' players. You have problems of your own to deal with right now, Magic Johnson. And Lonzo Ball isn't even the biggest one. He is a problem, but he is not the biggest problem you have as president of the, uh, the Lakers you have things to figure out first before you go out and try and help um, Ben Simmons be a better big guard. You have your own point guard to worry about who cannot shoot free throws better than Dr. Shaquille O'Neal. Okay, so I would worry more about that than I would about helping Ben Simmons. And credit to Ben Simmons because he is smart enough to want to reach out to the player's past you know, Giannis and Jason Tatum both worked out with Kobe. It, going back, Kobe worked with Jordan. Maybe not so much like his friends, but he took, you know, pages out of Jordan's book. I appreciate, I like the newer generations looking back to the old generations for help. But Magic Johnson, the correct answer is, I can't help you. Or maybe the correct answer is, like I said before, he's a fantastic player. 
Nobody knows that Ben Simmons reached out to you and then we're not even having this conversation in the first place. Magic Johnson has just stumbled over left and right. Almost everything he's done as a GM, he's just stumbled. Uh, you know, everyone was applauding him for getting rid of the Mozgov contract, which was good, but he got rid of D'Angelo Russell. Now, all of a sudden, D'Angelo Russell was an all-star, and he, he, I mean, he's just hooping out of his mind. D'Angelo Russell, he said the best thing that ever happened to him was getting traded away from the Lakers, and now he's becoming a full, uh, you know, a full player and a great scorer at the point guard position. Maybe Mitch Kupchak was right all along, and we should have potentially given D'Angelo Russell more time you know, to, to grow into his potential. And now he's in a similar situation where he's trying to ship everyone out. Who know, What if Kyle Kuzma, I don't know, becomes the top 10 player in the game and you ship him out? I mean, it's just a mess right now. And that's what I'm saying. You have so much on your plate. The, you know, it's hanging over your head. D'Angelo Russell, he's an all-star now. He had a game winner. The I think last night he had a game winner. He had like 40 points in the game-winning three-pointer. Ice in his veins. He started that move, which I didn't like that at all. But... He had a game winner last night, and it's hanging over your head. This is who you shipped away for Lonzo Ball? And you're just handing out comments about helping other teams as point guards when your own point guard, who you drafted, isn't even playing right now. And if he comes back, should not be the starting point guard. Because think about this, if the Lakers get in the playoffs... I would much rather have Rajon Rondo as a starter than Lonzo Ball because he has experience, because he's a great defender... You got a lot of problems on your hand right now, buddy. I would not be worrying about Ben Simmons and uh, his well-being. That is the end of our show this week. I don't know. I thought it was a uh, thought it was a pretty solid day for us. I don't know. You tell me. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, which you may already be doing, Anchor Podcasts, or Spotify. Um, enjoy the games this week. Some college basketball. It's going to be tough because Tennessee, Kentucky is on at the same exact time as All-Star Saturday night. Uh, it, it's going to be tough to choose between those. It may not. Maybe you just like, you know, you're not into college basketball. And you're just going to watch, you know, the All-Star stuff. That's fine. I love college basketball. It's going to be tough for me to kind kind of choose between, you know, which which one am I going to watch. It's I'm still probably going to watch the All-Star stuff anyway, but I'm going to be feeling really bad about missing out on, you know, what is going to be a great get two top 10 teams I think two top five teams you know playing playing against each other it's gonna be great I haven't seen a lot of Tennessee so I'm gonna want to watch that game it's it's tough but these are good problems to have I love that there's so much great basketball on then next Wednesday um tobacco road we're probably gonna have a lot to talk about from that game uh next Thursday being the day after so uh, I'll talk to you guys next week